Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. Do you, did you have like a special love for cephalopods or, or what was it about no, them that I just thought that they're really interesting. Like they are, they're one of my favorite animals, even though I eat sushi, I eat <laughs> octopus. Um, I still think that they're really super intelligent, smart creatures. And I mean, they have like a brain in every tentacle. Yeah, remember I think people. every suction cup is it. Yeah, or something like that. And it's like they're they're so intelligent. And it was just also just about learning about them. Yeah, uh, like all the different species and how they're unique. And there was like one octopus species that, like most octopus species, as soon as they mate, they die. Like as soon as the yeah. babies are born, yeah. they're, they're dead. They're dead. They're they're gone. But there is one species that continues to somehow live on which I thought mm. was interesting. Like they, they managed to mate multiple times and, the, and then the, the mates even stay together to kind of raise the kids. Do you remember which one that you don't know? I which? Want to, uh, I, I want to say it was like the, maybe it was the greater Pacific octopus. It was some kind of Pacific octopus. I wondered uh, if you re might remember, cause it, it, was it might be in your deck. <laughs> oh, it's on the levers. It's on the one. So it's on the one. That's on and the so left. it's, it's the same one that um, the the male stays to raise the kids. So that's yeah. why you chose well, it for lovers. They, they I mean, they just kind of hang out. I don't know if it's like really raising, but it's, it's like. They yeah, they mate. They mate for life or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was kind of weird because it's kind of closer to kind of how mammals are. Because most of the octopuses just, you know, right. it's time to mate. They're going to die soon after. So they're not super invested in anything. Sometimes the male can inseminate more than one female. Mm -hmm. But usually like the female, I have seen an instance though, that was on a film documentary where, um, a male octopus and a female octopus mated. And then she waited until the male octopus was out of range and she took his, this, his sperm packet and just tossed it. Babies and she's like, Nope, that guy wasn't cool enough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cool enough to die for. In other words, there was a choice to be made yeah i love very, it very much the lovers right it was yeah. a choice to be made just claiming something it's more than that sure. so. but like i like to say science is just magic that's already known oh yeah, yeah. or I mean, it's not necessarily known <laughs> it's well, always it's somewhat that's known. the aim yeah that's the aim somewhat. of it is to know yeah i mean gravity but he still worked before gravity was discovered. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to believe in it. It just works, right? Exactly. <laughs> it does not require yeah. faith. Um, but it was uh but it seems like magic if you don't understand it. Right. <laughs> Divinity is everywhere. In other words, yeah. what you call it God is in everything it's in like in every cell it's like in rocks and plants and other people and stuff and yeah i'm just interested in how 
Like, cause I, I get that. I, you know, I had, I've had relationships with inanimate, um, inanimate objects, like mm-hmm. my whole life as a kid, especially, <laughs> you know, I become very close to little things. And, and so I always just thought that there was something in everything. It didn't matter mm-hmm. what it was. So I just exactly. don't know how to exactly. Um, we're all connected to it too. It's really crazy. Mm. I mean, in each atom, there's a whole bunch of space between the nucleus and the electrons. I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of atoms and they have like a ball of like little balls in the center for the nucleus. And then like an electron that kind of circles around. I don't don't know if you've seen that picture. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch of space between where the electron and the nucleus is. It would be like if, if there was like a tiny marble and you put it at the end at the middle of like a football field, like, the electron would be like several football fields away. It's how much space. Wow. So we have a lot of electrons in us. So we're mostly space and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, we're solid, but also there's a part of us that's like not really that solid, (laughs) but yes, um, the tarot cards themselves, the cephalopod tarot came about as a, um, not a contest, but like me and two other friends, like this is probably, right around 2011 decided that we were going to make our own tarot card. I don't know why we thought this was a cool idea. Like I think we were just reading for each other a lot. Like, and this was before I was doing readings for other people. You know, we were just reading like a group of friends were just reading. We're like, came up with this idea. Like what if we made our own tarot cards? Like it was such a great thing to have. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Not understanding the amount of work that was involved. Like, it just seemed like, oh, this is like, like let's make 80 paintings of, of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was lucky because I had the files of my digital photography and I just, you know, and just, yeah, I was lucky. But it's oh, how yeah. I learned. I had no idea what kind of labor was involved in making it. And you think it's going to be a linear process. It is not a linear process. And so when people come up with these other tarot decks that are just like out of this world, I'm, all I can say is just must be a divine labor of love. And they are just inspired by something that's just not of this planet. It's just it, it took me a lot longer. I, like in my mind, I was like, I can knock this out in three months. It's just like a painting a day kind of thing. And then editing and, and what? No, 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 no. You, you go through a process where you have to like kind of meditate each thing that's going to be on each card, why you want the thing on the card. And then um, compare it to other cards and make sure you're yeah, making the right that's choice. Like <laughs> that's a huge one. Or like, does it, and I had to redo some cards because like, I thought it would mean this thing, but when other people were looking at it, they came up with something different. I was like, okay, this was mm. not here. I need to redo it. Um, and then of course there's also the physical editing and trying to upload it and all that other jazz that goes with it. But I mean, just the, the creation of the cards themselves was grueling. Like it initially mm-hmm. started off as this fun project and my other two friends just kind of dropped out of the thing. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess they realized the same thing. Like they were going through the same process. Like, Oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? What did yeah. we get ourselves into? And I was the only one that finished. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to publish these. <laughs> I, Have you done any other decks? 
I no. Was, <laughs> you're like, no. I was doing some other stuff. Like I did like a pendulum board at some point. And uh, I'm thinking about doing another deck, but not another tarot deck. I may, I may yeah. do some kind of Oracle cards or something that might be a little easier. I have some stuff like in the works, but um, I need to, I need to figure out like, do I want to do paintings or do I want to do photography and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, not you're deck. I, I didn't really, and I'm still having to write the physical manual for the tarot that I created. Like I'm still writing it. I'm still Are you? I was going to ask you about that. I didn't realize that. I thought that that was a choice like to, cause oh. I, I kind of love that it's open to interpretation, but is that. Yes, it is. And I, I want it to always be open interpretation, but a lot of people have requested a little white book and I, I guess I could just crank that out a little white book, but I kind of. Yeah. I have that little PDF and it was so easy mm -hmm. and it, it just helped me. I, I feel like I kind of wrote it alongside when I was doing it. I was like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah. That, and then it helps you like define what's what, um, mm -hmm. if, if you're still having questions about, well, maybe I should do this differently or whatever. But yes, um, I'm still working on the book. And then I got detoured off of the book. God, what happened? Oh, I got really sick at the end of 2013. So chron chronological wise, what happened is around like the week between Christmas and, uh, new years of 2013 I, I i was having chocolate and wine with a friend that came over to my house and the very next day i had symptoms of a flu like it was bad really bad like i had the flu like the active symptoms of a flu for an entire month mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've never been that sick before in my life and that just kind of kept continuing and I almost died. I almost died in 2014. So seriously, like I had to get my life in order kind of thing. And that was really hard for me. Um, was it dietary? What, what happened? Uh, like, I still you said chocolate have, and wine. So I'm like, was it? I, I don't know what happened. Like all I can tell you is I had a flu for an entire month. I went to the doctor. The doctor couldn't come up with any diagnosis and just kept saying I was fine. That all my, you know, like liver and everything else was fine. Fine. All the breathing and everything else was fine. And I'm like, there is something wrong. Because you <laughs> felt bad. not last for over a month with mm -hmm. like extreme fatigue. Like I would literally sleep for like 16 hours a day. And then I had a bunch of digestive problems and- um, Did they test you for Epstein-Barr? I mean- I have, I was negative for Epstein-Barr. Never had Epstein-Barr. Yeah. yeah. No Epstein-Barr, no, uh, like uh, also some people have theories that maybe I caught H1N1, but I don't think so because it didn't show up. And I don't know what I had. I just know that I was extremely ill and like, any food that I ate would come out the other end. And mm -hmm. it was, it was like that for months, for months. And I was like getting really scared to eat. And um, I eventually, uh, you know, one of my friends who was doing tarot card readings for me was like, did this tarot card pull? And they're like, it says like, you should look into Kundalini yoga or whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll try it or whatever. And Kundalini yoga was also another interesting path that I took. I don't recommend it for everybody. I'm not like a huge believer in it, but I, I think there's definitely benefits to doing it. 
um, I did get my Kundalini awakened and that was another story in and of itself that led to my healing. Um, the only diagnosis I've ever gotten from a doctor about it is that I have allergies, like food allergies. Right. So I got tested and I was like allergic to like, you know, 40, 50, 60 things. <laughs> and it was crazy because like for six months to recover. Wild. From, <laughs> yeah, wild. But I had to recover um, by... Uh, eating like this really small list of foods that is absolutely right. disgusting. Boring. Yeah. Boring, bland. Well, it was stuff like that. I didn't like like hamburgers, like steak, potatoes, bananas. I liked strawberries and peaches, but they were kind of seasonal fruit. Um, dairy products. Those, those were the only safe things I could eat for six months. Oh, broccoli. Okay, broccoli, thank goodness. And rice. That's it's it. so strange because like the many of those are allergens. Yeah. Well, you have to think about it. Like before I got sick, like my diet was very varied, but it was heavily vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So I was allergic to, you tend to become allergic to things you eat the most. Yes. So if you eat a lot of like beans and rice, guess what? You can be allergic to those things. And I didn't eat things like hamburgers or steaks and potatoes because I don't like them. Yeah. No, I, (laughs) I I went through something similar actually. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was also allergic to stuff like garlic and seasonings. And that was, so it was like this hellacious thing to even go out. I was like really scared of eating and Mm -hmm. just scared of food and just, you know, withdrew into this sort of, I don't want to say monastic life, but I did go into a yogurt teacher training program during that time period. Um, mostly because I needed to learn how to die. Um, no one really tells you that, but you just can't. Well, I'm not saying you can't. A lot of people do just leave their lives a mess. Like they just are like, here, I just died. And I don't care if whose will goes to this and whose, whose stuff goes there. But like, you know, if you, if you're sentient enough to, I guess, in your last days, you should, you know, clean out your closet. So you don't have a bunch of crap that people have to go through. Um, It was just more of a kindness for my family and my friends to just kind of get my, remaining life in order. And, you know, I was doing like meditation, like eight hours a day, stuff like that. Um, Because I mean, I, (laughs) you can't take it with you. So it was like important for me to get all that stuff in order during that time. And it turns out I didn't die, which is even stranger. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's, I think what, oh, oh, wonderful experience though i mean yeah to, yeah to really know how good. to die and to and to be prepared emotionally and feel more like describe how that feels i mean it's got to feel good and like a relief <laughs> of course you didn't die but yeah well it, i didn't trust not dying for a while like it right took me a little right bit, but um yeah so let's i learned a lot of things about dying from meditation and stuff. One, an an interesting thing that I learned, like going back to, you know, we were talking about atoms and space and things like Mm -hmm. that was that at one point when I was meditating, like I could hear the sound of the universe, like the universe actually 
has music or sound frequencies that plays. And when you're healthy, you're playing music with your body. Like there are sounds and frequencies that come from your body. But when you're dying, those sounds and music become different. Hmm. And that's how things like fungi and stuff like spores and bacteria know how to come find you when you're sick is like they can hear your music and they're instantly attracted to it and they have their own music and they can literally like hear you and like stuff like viruses and bacteria they also have their own kind of music and they're not coming to destroy you they're coming to combine with you that's wild (laughs) oh my gosh It was really, it was so strange. And I was like, did you have an awareness of that? Like, yes, I had an awareness of it. And it was, and was that in part because you had studied it in chemistry? Part of it was I studied it, but also just part of it is because I was on this crash program for teacher training in yoga. Like literally it was like, you were very heightened. Was that part of the, um, was that part of the Kaluni, the Kundalini awakening? Was that part of that? Oh, I had the Kundalini awakening before I was in teacher training. Oh, oh, like, okay. I did okay. A bunch of Kundalini yoga classes, and at one point I was like, "Oh, I want to be a Kundalini yoga instructor." No, it didn't turn out that way. I ended up being like a Hatha yoga instructor because the Kundalini oh, yeah. required. If I wanted to do the crash course, I had to move to New Mexico, and I wasn't ready to move to New Mexico. I was not right. in good physical health that I could do that. Right. I was really poor physical health. There was no yeah. way I. Could survive that training right Um, I needed to be at home where I could prepare my you know weird meals and have enough sleep and and Mm -hmm. everything else and and this and that's a case where I was really lucky you know I didn't have like children and 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 had to take care of at that time so it's you know there was not like any distraction for me to go into that kind of monastic life for a little while um and do that for a bit. Um, but yeah, I kind of withdrew from everything for those couple of years. <clears throat> and eventually, like when I didn't die, I was just sort of surprised and sort of like, okay, you didn't take me. Why didn't you take me? I don't get it. You seem determined. <laughs> you seem determined, but you let me live and I don't know why, but okay. Uh, I guess. Who were you talking to? Like God? Do you? Yeah. What, uh, is that who you talked to? Yeah, like my experience of what God might be like, you know. Um, what is that what, for you? Is it- I want to say things are different now. So bridging mm-hmm. on from what happened with that. So we, so our major milestones was created yoga deck, uh, created tarot deck, uh, started taking kundalini yoga because I got sick and then did yoga teacher training. <laughs> so I had this massive amount of uh of meditation and stuff underneath me and what I didn't understand and I didn't understand until looking back from now till back then was that I was being contacted by angels and I didn't understand what angels were and and because I I could hear it talking to me and it said something to me that was kind of sarcastic and as (laughs) soon as I said that I was um the, the dude that I was talking to is like this Reiki master angel talk person was like, well, that's not an angel. That's a demon. And so I was just all like, at the time, like you have to understand my mental state that I was just yeah. very vulnerable to that yeah. kind of talk. 
And I just kind of like, was like, oh, I guess, I don't know. You know, I, I wasn't sure that it was a demon, but I, I was like, I guess it's not an angel. And I just dismissed it. But it wasn't like, but if you were to zoom ahead to like 2020, when I was able to make contact with angels, that in the angel that was trying to talk to me was like, I've been trying to talk to you since 2015. Oh. <laughs> and I was sarcastic because like I had, you know, I had encountered another person who said angels speak to you in the language that you understand the best. And if sarcasm <laughs> is it, that is the, what they're going to choose because they want you to understand them. They want you to listen to them. They want you to know that they're there. Right. Yeah. I mean, so how do you know it was an angel and not like, had you ever experienced a spirit guide or a ghost or like, yeah. well, I just wondered how you knew it was an angel and not, and not so a different entity. Okay. So it was during the pandemic. Uh, believe it or not, Instagram, right? Uh, because remember, angels will talk to you in the language that you know best. Yeah. Instagram. Um, <laughs> I saw an advertisement on Catland Books, which is like this metaphysical bookstore in, in New York City. And like, I think it's maybe it was in Brooklyn. Um, and I love New York City when I, I visited that because I used to go there all the time. Um, and it had a book called uh, Angels and Archangels by Damien Eccles on that book and I, I was like oh well, this seems interesting i'll go check it at a library and read it because during the pandemic what are you going to do everything's yeah. locked down you can't do anything you don't have a job or whatever <sighs> read the whole book and there was like a, a a ritual to to open yourself up to angels so this angel did they help you um mm -hmm. come out of that bad like so how did that so tell that yeah. story how um, did you come out of such a of um such poor health well i mean well for one thing is all that kundalini yoga and meditation and stuff i was able to uh establish a link from my mind to my body like apparently like there wasn't a strong enough link um you know stuff about like myers-briggs personality yeah 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 yeah. So certain people are sensory and certain people are more intuitive. Sensory mm -hmm. people are, are a lot luckier in that, like, you know, if they don't feel good after they ate some kind of soup, they're, they know to avoid that kind of, they, they they're know, more like, like an animal. <laughs> they're more like in this animal. Like they, yeah. they, they literally like, okay, this, I didn't feel good sleeping six hours a day. I think I'll sleep seven hours next time. It's like, they don't have to question stuff. But like if that week, that link is weak, you have to build it up like between. I'm, I'm very story. strong. I N the others have fluctuated. I'm I N F P at this point. I'm an I N F P. Yeah. I'm strong. You could tell <laughs> I, I have been an I N T J in my child. For one thing I named it. So I, I called it like the dragon. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to make friends with this dragon because I need to be with this dragon so that we can get along so that, you know, we can live our lives and whatever. And so I was Did like, do you have that like, book? Did you have the book? There's no such no. thing as a dragon. No. What book? Oh my God. It was, so it's, it was, <laughs> it's a little boy. It's, it was one that I grew up with. We had a lot of children's books. Um, and it just, um, it was a little boy. He, he said, look, look, everyone. I had him a dragon. Like he tells his family, you know how books are set up like this. Mm -hmm. He tells his mom. 
tells his dad nobody's buying it no like no one even looks at him in the book and he's Mm -hmm. going around and then gaslighting he starts to believe there's no such thing as a dragon because that's what everyone's telling him even though he has this dragon in his in his arms so the dragon begins to grow and grow to like an unacceptable size causing (laughs) havoc in the whole town you know and people have to finally go um yeah i guess there's kind of a dragon and it's a problem now so it's like as soon as people vocalize yes it's a thing it's real um he goes back down to cat size and he's cute little dragon oh my goodness that sounds like a perfect infp book (laughs) i loved that book yes (laughs) i was like i want a dragon so one of the ways that you can tell the difference between uh, an INFJ and an INFP and someone else, I forgot where they got the quote from, is that an INFJ is a dragon slayer mm-hmm. and an INFP is a dragon talker. I'm definitely that. I'm definitely can talk dragon to any. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm determined to be friends with this dragon. So, um, so just being able to utilize kind of these muscle testing techniques on my own self Mm -hmm. was something that I learned during the time that I was sick and I was able to energetically tell if something is good for my physical body or not. Yeah. It's just, it was like, it's weird though. It's, It's like you have another human being living inside of you or something living inside of you that has different preferences than you. And I was also, you know, during that time was just definitely a dark night of the soul type of situation. Mm -hmm. You know, like thoughts of who I was, was being destroyed during that time in 2014 and 15 when I was dying, when you, uh, like you think to yourself, here's a perfect example. Like I thought of myself as being a foodie. And this whole thing with with the the food restrictions and stuff was like, you're not a foodie. You're allergic to all this crap. It was just like I, I so what, get what that. You, I so get that. I know. Like, I I, when I, 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 I had a wine block and I, I can't drink wine anymore. Yeah. That that's block. kind of my experience with um having all the problems with my female organs and motherhood and uh, like it all happened at the once it was like empty nest and wow all your all your stuff doesn't work and you need to shut it off you know and like so it just completely caused me to go who am I like that's always been my thing who am I it was it's just really big deep stuff was being unearthed and it came to me in, in weird ways, but it was just all just kind of this ego destroying stuff about who right. I was, and who I'm not. I was able to kind of forensically go back in time and uh, do some healing ancestral work on my family line. Part of that was I got one of those 23andMe test things yeah. to figure out like my family lineage and confirm that I really am all the things that my parents said I was. Right. Mostly because my relationship with my parents is was tenuous at best. Um, they were not always forthcoming with information. And sometimes I, I don't want to say that they're necessarily liars, although they have lied before. And so I wanted to confirm all of the ancestry stuff as being true. Um, 
but I uncovered a lot of really weird stuff in the genetics and just stuff that, you know, leads me to believe that I might, I might be on the autistic spectrum, but also stuff like, um, you know, it was, it was like basic stuff that I was doing for my body. Like, oh, you don't make vitamin D3 from the sun very well. So you need to take vitamin D3 orally. You know, that was useful information. But then there, yeah. was, stuff like, there was stuff like, oh, all the snaps for your, um, for all the snaps that most people have that are addicts or have addiction problems, they're all turned on. But, mm. you know, I've never really been involved in anything that's like illicit drugs or anything so why are they all turned on right and going back in time and stuff like that but it was like some of these snaps that are turned on on for addiction stuff also govern parts of your personality right yeah um things that i thought were me were like not me but they were like these things that happened to me. Like it, it, an example was like part of the genes that were covering like addiction and stuff also govern like, like uh, interest in novelty. Is, right. Is, yeah. It. So if you've, there was like another really cool book I read called brand washed. And, it, but, but one of the things that the, um, the guy talks about is he says like, from the age of about 25, you have reached your maximum like brain capacity for novelty things, like new things. Mm-hmm. You're 25, you will not like any new music that comes out. You will not, you know, you will uh, be more attracted to clothes that you wore in your youth and think that whoever was the ideal of beauty at that time will still be in your mind, the ideal of beauty and, and things like that, like how people's minds kind of crystallize around age 25 and they start listening to like the old status quo kind of thing. Yeah. But like, I don't have that issue. Right. Right. I still enjoyed music of my, well, no wonder you look so young. (laughs) You're Peter Pan. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I still enjoy music of my youth, but I'm always like searching for that next thing. And I was just thinking, oh, I'm just quirky and like those things. And I'm like, what if that gene just didn't turn on the way it was supposed to? And that thing is just part of the, you know, addiction gene that's turned on. It's like, what if that's actually not me? You know, it's just like you start questioning weird stuff like that. is actually me what is actually my personality and it was just really kind of a dark time trying to figure out